Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Bev, the compulsive overeater. Um, I'd like to thank you for inviting me to speak today. It's good to be back at St. John's. I understand that I can choose the topic, and I did. It's acceptance, for acceptance is the answer. Before I start talking about acceptance, though, just a few brief facts about myself, my OA journey. Um, I started going to meetings about 20 years ago, and one of the first meetings that I attended was at night. It, I was working at the time on a Wednesday night at St. John's, and it was upstairs in that great big room, and there were a lot of people. It was rather intimidating. They were all sitting around in a big circle. Um, I was afraid to talk. I was afraid somebody was going to ask me a question or ask me to speak. I wasn't ready to do that at that time. As I said, I was still working, was very tired. I was struggling with the food. Um, I traveled a great deal, so there was a lot of room service. Um, I was gaining weight. I was binging, and I was gaining a lot of weight. And I was in my late 50s, which doesn't help that situation as well. My old methods weren't working anymore, and that is the binging, starving, binging, starving, diet pills, um, overworking, thinking in the back of my mind that I could burn this up, I could burn the calories. Fortunately, that night, there was a speaker who really grabbed my attention. She was talking about doing her fourth step, and she had these books and ledgers and, that she was referring to. She seemed so at ease with herself, so confident. Um, and she kind of, uh, she, she really grabbed me in terms of uh, talking about herself and about um, her issues. And she intimated that she had an eating problem too. And I was surprised because she was talking about something I never talked about. And I, uh, it was something we had in common. So uh, I always remembered her. And so uh, many years later, I ran into her at another meeting and I was between sponsors. My long-term sponsor was going back to graduate school. She wasn't available anymore to sponsor. So I asked this person if she'd be my sponsor and she said yes, and she still is my sponsor. Now, I've had a number of sponsors over the years. I've loved them all. They've all helped me in their own unique ways, some for a long time, some for shorter times. But they had one thing in common, and that was a focus on the spiritual and emotional parts of this program. Uh, it isn't that you don't have a food plan or that you, you occasionally talk about food, but these sponsors were step sponsors versus food sponsors, and that's where their focus was. And... Um, I, that worked for me when I started switching to that methodology. Um, today, that is my focus as well. Um, I continue to work the steps. When I finish the steps, I work them over and over and over. I sponsor other, I step sponsor other fellows, not only in this program, but in a couple of other programs I work. Um, but I do have a physical program. I have a food plan, which in the beginning, 
I really wanted to debate a lot. I really wanted to talk about food all the time those first few years. It was very hard to get me off of that. Um, but with the urging of one of my sponsors to get to a nutritionist, she kept saying, I'm not a food sponsor. You can get a food sponsor or go to a nutritionist or whatever. So I did that. And I kind of relaxed after that because I, this is a pro and she helped me, you know, with my food plan. We adjusted it so it felt comfortable and I could work with it. She put some bulk in it, actually, which was great for me at the time. So I have a food plan and I have some boundaries around my trigger foods. I send my food in every day to my sponsor, um, along with my 10th step. And I um, report the food from the previous day. I tried doing what I know a lot of people do, you know, planning food, what I'm going to eat for the day. But when I tried that, I just went nuts. I'm, I'm already in my head too much as it is. And I start fantasizing and it's what would happen is I would get away from reality of what I was really doing. So then I started going back and reporting what I had eat, eaten. And this is kind of a re reality check about what's going on with my food. Like most addicts, I developed behavioral habits um, of addiction from early on. I, was, I didn't have a problem with food when I was a child, but as I got into adulthood, I, I did. Um, I've, I've learned a lot from therapy. I've had a lot of therapy over the years and from 12-step. They kind of dovetail very beautifully for me. I think I've made, pat, I've made peace with my past. And I've forgiven myself, I've forgiven my parents. That was a gift of the program. I was one of the fortunate ones that could do that. And, um, and that, that's kind of a little bit about my background before, to, before coming today. Sorry about that, that's my clock, that's the bird. <laughs> different birds at different hours. Okay, now for acceptance. When I first started thinking about acceptance and pulling my thoughts together, I asked myself the question, how does acceptance help me deal with my addictions? And what happened was I started taking these notes and it, everything seemed to uh, group in certain, certain areas. So I had four major groups uh, that I thought would, would kind of be a good way to, to talk about acceptance. It doesn't mean that there aren't other ways and other tools in which to use acceptance. Uh, but I only have 20 minutes, so I can't talk about all of those. Um, the first group is through truth and reality. And what I mean by this is I need to tell the truth. I need to be honest with myself and with other people. And then the reality piece is I need to check reality periodically and often, especially regarding my behavior and my food and my abstinence. As an addict, I'm prone to dishonesty, dissembling, fudging, keeping secrets, hiding. I have a lot of the characteristics that I've heard about since I've been in the program from other people. I don't wanna face the truth that I'm a compulsive overeater, that I'm triggered by certain foods. It's very embarrassing for me to talk about this. But once I can accept this kind of new consciousness for what I am, uh, the fact that I'm a, a compulsive overeater and that I need help to, to work on this issue um, because my eating behavior leads to a kind of madness 
and I can't control it, and I do need help with it. So I've concluded that if I want to stop eating compulsively, I have to accept and never forget what I am, a compulsive overeater. In addition, I need to periodically reality check what's going on around me, particularly in the area of eating and behavior. Um, by checking my behavior periodically, to, it takes courage for me to do this, to stop and really take a look at it because as a compulsive overeater, I wanna put it into fantasy land. So I, take, I pay attention to my behavior, my memories. I can't remember things accurately. I come up with a whole new version. My perceptions, where I am, how am I eating, what am I eating, and so forth. And then I make adjustments with my higher power and my sponsor helping me. This, part, this process is kind of my form of recovery. The second area is surrender acknowledging that there is a necessity to surrender if I'm going to accept. Because by surrender, for me, surrender is acceptance. And uh, surrendering by turning my control over my addiction, and when I call, talk about control, I'm talking about my will, over my addictions, over the program, I wanna manage this thing all the time, to a higher power or something bigger than myself. Sometimes. I have a higher power, I pray to my higher power, I journal to higher power, but also turning it over to my sponsor, to my to using the tools or some getting to a meeting. That those are ways for me to turn over. Surrender is the heart and soul of my program. Um, the only way I can ever reach any kind of sustained recovery. I can reach a, a, a short-term recovery, but it's a sustained recovery I'm after. There are a myriad of ways, I think, to surrender in a way, uh, but I can't follow any of those ways. I can't adopt those methods unless I let go that my other methods don't work. I can't commingle them. I can't bounce from one to the other. I have to accept the new way. And this surrendering to the kind of a new reality in turn and in this context will set up a willingness that makes it a little easier for me to follow my food plan. And to, and to let go and to surrender. These new methods that I learned in OA uh, require something new for me. For instance, they require my seeking guidance from somebody, a sponsor. It, it took me forever to choose a sponsor, to ask somebody to be my sponsor, because I was so afraid of letting go. I was so afraid of letting go of control over what I'd been trying to control without success for so long. Um, it took a lot, it took, it was a new thing for me to, to start uh, working with sponsees because that meant that I was gonna have to open my kimono. I was gonna have to show my experience and the things that happened to me from time to time. That's what my, my sponsors did. And the other thing is I didn't think I was good enough. I still had issues about self-esteem. And most of all, I think I had to learn to do and to see my part. Um, because I think I do have a part and it's legwork, it's surrendering, it's working with higher power. There are many ways in which I have a part. And, there, and I, I, have, I believe in the principle that there isn't anything that happens to me that I don't have a part in. Nothing. If I'm a victim, I have a part in that. 
If I overeat, I have a part in that. If I can't get along with somebody, I have a part. Um, again, the tools were very unfamiliar to me before I came to uh, OA. I hadn't used anything like that before. I mean, I kept track of my weight. I was on the scale all the time, but I didn't really have a formulated uh, uh, food plan. I think in order to do these unfamiliar things, I think what was required of me and is still required of me to work this program, and that is courage and trust. Because as an addict, there's nothing more terrorizing than the unknown and the unpredictable. That's why I was trying to be in control. I, can't, I grew up in an unpredictable world. So I learned to try and control it, try and predict what was going to happen. Uh, and so it takes a lot of courage for me to kind of surrender to that. To, to The other thing is, is surrendering. I have to trust whoever or whatever I'm going to turn over to. And so courage and trust are things that didn't come easily for me in this program. Um, but eventually I, they grew. Uh, the good news is that the more I surrender, the more benefits I reap, the easier it is, the better my food, the more sustained my recovery. The third area of uh, acceptance that came up for me was the need to embrace imperfection. And by embrace imperfection, I'm talking about not just putting your arms around it and grabbing it. I'm talking running up to it, not running from it. Um, because acceptance is about making mistakes and being human. It's unlike my upbringing, because when I made a mistake, I spilled my milk or I broke things as a child, it, it kind of signaled the catastrophe in the household when anybody made mistakes. And uh, technically, when I look back at uh, a situation where a child cannot make mistakes, cannot spill their milk. I think that this robs them of their childhood. Um, because the, being a child is making mistakes. It's spilling your milk. It's acting out and embarrassing people. It's, uh, it's, it's freedom in a, in a different way. And if you don't really have experience doing that, it's kind of hard to grow up kind of hard to graduate to the next level and I think a lot of my work in the program has been that has been going back and getting comfortable and being a child and getting ready to grow up five more minutes okay thank you um, I think acceptance of imperfection is a natural phenomenon I share it with everybody everybody on this call everybody in the world and um, by, by seeing that I'm one of many in this program, which is really a big message for us, it frees me up and makes me strong enough to keep checking that reality, uh, to tolerate my slips, because I can, can keep having them, to at, at times even relapse, to make amends when I've hurt somebody's feelings, um, to love myself just as I am. And uh, when I make mistakes, I also realize now that I have to mother myself through that process. It's not easy making mistakes. It's not easy getting comfortable and accepting who I am. And I need that mother that wasn't always there for me when I was learning how to do this. Um, and, you know, basically, 
agreeing and seeing more and more, which makes it a lot easier that I'm not God and I'm not a perfect soul. There has been one tremendous benefit of uh, embracing uh, imperfection, and that is I think it makes me more approachable. I think I'm less judgmental now. Uh, I judge other people less. Uh, the good news is, oh, my God, people love it. People love to be asked for their opinion and feedback. People love to be asked for help, basically, particularly in this program. And guess what? They give it very freely, and they have all these ideas that I never think about. Everybody has many ideas that they can share with other people in this program. The last area of acceptance that I think is vitally important, and that is the area of hope. I think uh, acceptance makes hope available for me, and hope makes acceptance available. For starters, I'm basically an optimist. I mean, the, the glass is always half full for somebody like me. I'm going to grab on to hope whenever I smell it, whenever I see it and can touch it. And fortunately, hope is embedded in this program in all aspects. It's in the steps. It's in the meetings. It's in the tools. It's in sponsorship. It's kind of hard to miss it. You keep bumping into it all the time, everywhere you look. And thank God. Because as a compulsive overeater, I need it. Um, it, it, helps, it helps keep strong underpinnings for me. Um, I, it, I'm in this for the long haul. It's a long journey, and I get tired sometimes with what's required of me. And hope keeps me going. Hope floats my boat, as they say. It offers me the encouragement uh, to get back up again, over and over again. Um, or get to a meeting when I'm not abstinent, um, and to give back what I've been very generously given over the years by a lot of people. Anything I can do to make it my journey easier, I think, is required on this journey to make it all the way. And the hope I continue to receive consistently, on demand, and on time. I mean, we've all been to, we've all gone to a meeting where we had an issue we needed to talk about or was rumbling in our heart. And guess what? You hear what you need. It always happens for me, and I've heard it happens to other people. So hope is the ticket for me. Thank you, and thank you for this opportunity to continue to work my program. <laughs>